0: this is the voice of the report of the week signing on hello ladies gentlemen and everyone listening in to today's newest broadcast newest podcast newest edition of vorw international the voice of the report of the week a freeform talk show of indeterminate length of indeterminate nature we talk about what we want to talk about and it's different in every single show So, I hope you enjoy what you're in for today. Initially, if you actually make it through this whole program, you'll hear at the very end I say, I hoped for it to be released on the 4th, and evidently we're a day late there, so I apologize. I had hoped for for it to be then, and it just didn't happen. And I'm sorry about that. Now, going forward... I think it's going to be a pretty good um, show. It's going to be covering a bunch of different topics. You know, really, uh, the main focus, as you probably see in the title, is going to be predictions. Not that we have any predictions right now, because we are looking for predictions. And then in a few days, we're going to go over those predictions. You'll hear me say it. I don't want to be redundant, so I'm not going to divulge any more information. Uh, Other than that, we will uh, have a light discussion on New Year's resolutions, which I think I have every single year. And then we will read and respond to some listener correspondence. We have some good emails uh, about what some folks thought about the uh, holiday season, if they were feeling the holiday spirit this year or not. And we have some good points and counterpoints, uh, you know, both sides. You're going to hear it all, so it's going to be good and a few miscellaneous uh, questions and discussions. So, I think it should be a varied show. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I had fun doing this one, and like I said, I hope you'll have fun uh, listening in. If you are watching this program on YouTube, right now I would like if you could draw your attention to the fan art that we have. There are three pieces uh, which we will feature today. The first piece of fan art is uh, going out to Ivy. She titles this piece, Mystery Review. The second piece of fan art can be credited to the following individual, found on Instagram at instagram.com slash etzel underscore I underscore M. That's E-T-Z-E-L underscore I underscore M. And, uh, following that, the third and final piece of fan art for the broadcast today goes out to the, to, uh, Chris, also known as The, The Infamous Scrunched Boy. <laughs> I, I hope he was okay with, with all of that a couple of shows back. We were just having fun there, but, um, Chris, uh, thank you for your piece and, uh, your submission as well. Finally, as we get into the broadcast today... Just take a listen to a few of the sponsors here that are really uh, in part responsible for keeping the lights on for this broadcast, helping with the airtime expenses and uh, help keep this show going. I think we might even have a few more uh, in the next show that we do, you know, so stay tuned there. Um, But just understand that you're hearing this show and and it's really, their sponsorships are really uh, doing a big part to help keep this going. So just remember that. Are you located in the greater Sacramento area of Northern California or know someone who is? Maybe you're considering moving or relocating to that part of the state. There's a lot of realtors out there and lots of competition, lots of folks who say that they do this, this, and this, and sometimes it can be hard to find the right expert. There can be a lot of uncertainty, but a choice I recommend is Michael Peralta with EXP Realty an excellent communicator and negotiator with a proven track record helping people buy or sell residential real estate. He's definitely a name that you can trust. While things might be a bit strange today, real estate continues to be the best way to create wealth, and mortgage rates are at historic lows. His DRE number is 19 He's the real deal. If this is something that you're interested in, remember he serves the greater Sacramento area of Northern California for residential properties. You can reach out to him via telephone, area code 916 300 7224. Again, area code 916 300 7224. Or, of course, you could reach out to him via email at Peralta Real Estate Services at gmail.com. That's P-E-R-A-L-T-A, realestateservices at gmail.com. One long sequence there, but check him out. He's a good guy, the real deal, and he'll certainly do his best to help you out. Collective Fear is a one-man electronic music project out of Boston, Massachusetts, who released their first single, Pity, on October 11th, 2020. The music evokes dark themes and moods of synth-pop, dark wave, and shoegazing, while maintaining a catchy pop sensibility. Collective Fear has drawn comparisons to artists such as Cold Cave, Health, and Youth Code, and would be a great listen for any folks who enjoy electronica in general. With a variety of new releases at the ready, Collective Fear is poised to make an impact in 2021. Pity is available on all major streaming platforms, such as Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Apple Music, Tidal, Deezer, and many more. Please feel free to give a follow on Spotify or Instagram at instagram.com slash collective underscore fear if you'd like to support the band and stay up to date on future releases. I appreciate your support. And hope to connect with all of you as listeners in the future. And with that now, dear listeners, sit back, relax, and enjoy the broadcast. This is VORW, Radio International. All right, now aside from that rambling, if you want to call it that, here is the main point of the show. And I know it's silly, I know that you could call it whatever you would like. But there has been interest expressed in the past, and I am hoping for this to be, and I do feel it is selfish to say this, you know, but I'll just say it anyway because it's how I genuinely feel. I hope that this edition is more successful than last year's one was. The only way for that to even be a remote possibility is if folks wish to participate but if if anyone does, you know, that's great but if you don't, you don't no one should be obligated or forced to Um. but predictions for 2021 I really wish and again, last year's prediction show was you know, had more participants because look at what the look at the type of year 2020 was wouldn't it have been fun to kind of look back and see you know, dozens of different predictions and see if anyone even came close to what that last year was going to actually be like and instead I think there were like two people that had predictions and that was it so I hope that people can participate in this one but if no one does, no one does I'm not going to really be all that upset because we've already been there once before so that's you know, it is what it is. But the simple question is: What do you think is going to happen this year? What do you think twenty twenty one has in store? Do you think it's going to be worse than twenty twenty? Do you think it's going to be better? I mean, what's what, what's your what are your thoughts on twenty twenty one? Um, what do you think? They could be dealing with anything. It can be personal, it can be geopolitical, it could be societal, it could be health-wise. Any viewpoints, any perspectives are welcome. It's just really, in your opinion, what do you think this next year has in store? Interpret the question as you wish and answer it as you wish likewise. So, just predictions. It doesn't need to be anything prophetic. It doesn't need to be... could just say, yeah, oh, I think it's going to be this. I think it's going to be that. I think it's going to be a good year. I think it's going to be a bad year. It could be any interpretation of that as you wish. You could answer it any way you want, long or short. It could be a paragraph. It could be a couple words, anything. I really don't mind. Do with it as you will, but hopefully we will get a lot of responses. If you'd like to respond to this with a prediction, please send an email with the prediction to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com again v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com send your predictions there what are my predictions for 2021 I'm probably I was dead wrong last year and I'm going to be wrong again this time but no harm in, in having a little bit of fun with it. I have a feeling that in 2021, I don't know if it's going to be that magical year that everything's really going to be better than 20, uh, than 2020 was. I think the first few months of 2021 are going to be very similar to 2020 in terms of the COVID situation. Uh, It will continue to have spikes. There will continue to be hot spots. With the emergence and the proliferation of the UK variant of COVID-19 as it spreads more and more throughout the world, there may be more restrictions here and there I think some states and some localities and some municipalities will handle it in different ways. I think some states, for instance, in the US, like Florida and whatnot, probably won't do much, Um, but other states may issue curfews again. They may try to shut down certain things. You're already seeing that in some areas, but I think the, the UK variant will be used as justification to do that for a bit. Later in the year, I think the vaccinations will become more widespread and it's going to be a contentious issue. I think that COVID vaccination is going to end up being a requirement for certain activities. I think going forward, maybe we're talking late 2021, they might not let you board a plane, for instance, unless you provide proof that you've been vaccinated, um, against COVID-19, and there will be certain restrictions in that regard. I can, I really, and I'm just being honest with how I see it. Like, for instance, now, in certain states, if you want to travel there, you have to either self-isolate or you need proof of a negative COVID test. Now, I think going forward, eventually, it's going to be, you know, instead of a negative test, you're going to need proof of vaccination. And it might all be tied to, like, an app or something that you have to just show at the gate or to the TSA or to the security or something. But you'll be refused service otherwise. And I don't think it'll just be flights. I think it'll be there will be ways that society is going to try to get back to, quote, normal, unquote, um, but with these sorts of uh, adjustments, so to speak. So they might start hosting concerts again, but you're going to need proof of of vaccination in order to participate um, in certain states, and I think it's really going to be statewide. I think that you may have federal orders, but some states will choose to enforce them differently. And you're going to have this patchwork quilt of different restrictions, and it's also going to be based on how some companies see it as well. I think the private enterprise is, uh, they're going to have more power than the government when it comes down to this sort of stuff. So I think that the vaccines are going to become more widespread And you're going to have different groups and conflict as a result, mostly verbal, I think, but in some cases it might turn physical um, between groups of individuals who are pro-vaccine versus anti-vaccine or people who feel different ways about, you know, these requirements. And I could see that leading to some tension geopolitically speaking, I think it's going to be more of the same, of course. Uh, there may be a slight, you know, warming of, of relations between the U.S. and China, but I really wouldn't expect anything, anything big from that. It's just going to be maybe some pleasantries and kind words, but nothing's going to change otherwise in that regard. I think you're going to have some empty threats made you know, from one country to the next. I think North Korea and maybe Iran will do some saber rattling here and there. There might be, and I don't really have a specific country in mind, but there might be a point where the U.S. may intervene, you know, in, let's say, a foreign civil war or something. And we may either place assets or training or airstrikes or whatever and involve ourselves in another conflict. Uh, I can see that happening in the next year. Like I said, I just, I I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe it'll be Syria again. It might be, um, it might be elsewhere. But I could just see that potential for involvement uh, definitely, definitely happening. I don't know how popular that will be, um, but I could see that, you know, because the U.S. is kind of like the the world police in a sense. Otherwise, financially, I think you're going to see the Wall Street versus Main Street divide continue. Stock market and all that will probably continue to do well. Um, Cryptocurrency will still, it'll have its ups and downs, but probably keep going on the right track. But you're still going to have a lot of struggling small businesses. You're going to have a lot of people, real people, average people, uh, who still are are really in a rut financially. And you're going to again have that divide, Wall Street versus Main Street. I think that's going to continue, and I don't think it's going to get any better. I think it's going to get worse, to tell you the truth. But hopefully, it'll be a good year. Hopefully, it will be a more peaceful year. But I really think that, like me personally, I have these hopes that it'll be a better year. Um, But I'm seeing it as a continuation of 2020 with a few more, a few different problems. It's going to be the same stuff, just refocused in other ways. Uh, That's what I'm seeing. But I think that one big point, again, is going to be those vaccinations Um, that's, that's what I'm seeing. That's the writing on the wall that I'm getting. (laughs) I don't think that there's going to be a civil war or anything in the U.S. I think that's just all talk and, um, no substance there. But definitely tensions in society are going to continue to grow and build. And again, like I'm saying, the vaccination issue is going to be something that's just going to mount and continue to just add a little more pressure, a little more pressure. But I don't think a tipping point is going to happen this year. I don't think there will ever be one because we're too pacified uh, with social media, entertainment, um, you name it. And uh, as a result, you know, it's just you're going to have protests and stuff, but nothing nothing huge. So those are my predictions for 2021. I, I think it's going to be 2020. Maybe a little better, but I think as some problems go away, um, new ones very similar to the old ones are going to come about and it's going to be kind of more of the same uh, in a sense. But hopefully I want to be wrong, and uh, hopefully it'll just be a nice year, uh, a bit less craziness, uh, more peaceful, more civil, and maybe more harmonious as well. That's what I'd like to see. So that's my take. I'd love to hear yours, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Now for the rest of the show, uh, a few random thoughts, and then uh, we'll just read a couple emails. You're listening to VORW Radio International. 2021. That's one of those sayings that's going to take a little bit to get used to, you know? 2021. Twenty... Twenty-one. Yeah, 2020, I think, was the hardest one. 2021. Doesn't even feel like it's been another year, though, truth be told. I still can't... I don't know. I just banged my knee a little bit, but it wasn't bad. I still can't... believe... that we're already in a new year. I don't know. It's... It's kind of funny how it is I have yet to see even one single person out there who says 2020 passed normally. You know, in terms of time. Most people either say that it either took forever or it went by really quick. I wish, I really wish that it it seemed like it took a while. At least in that case, it can kind of savor any good moments, at least. But now the year just flew by. It was like one long day. You know, for goodness sake, I feel like I was just sitting here, ringing in 2020. Here we are, 2021. You know... With the new year upon us, just beginning, of course, we have ourselves a clean slate. We don't know how this next year is going to turn out. We really don't. There might be some good. There might be some bad. It may be overwhelmingly in one direction or another. There's a few things just to remember, and well, this is how I'm looking at this next year. I guess number one, hope for the best, expect the worst. It's a cliched phrase, I know. Sometimes, you know, these sorts of cliched platitudes, well, there's a lot of truth to them. You know, and it's such a popular saying, for a reason. It has merit. Legitimately. Hope for the best, and expect the worst. And sometimes, when you think things are already bad, it can get even worse still. But we really don't know what's ahead. So, I'm looking at this year, thinking, well, I fully expect it to be a continuation of 2020. You know, the same old stuff as this last year. But, there are definitely some promising signs here and there. It's like there's encouraging signs. And there's discouraging signs as well. I don't recommend reading only one group exclusively. You know? It's okay to be, as they say, a little bit of a doomer. Nothing wrong with that. You gotta be real. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But, I don't think that, you know, 2021 is gonna be the end of the world. I don't think that it's going to be, you know, the year where all of a sudden the entire world is some sort of paradise, either. I just hope for the best. Am I counting on that happening? No. No, not even remotely, but I still hope. And I think having that hope, in a sense, is important. You can't, you just can't give up. We'll see. We will see. Now this is on the world. For everyone out there listening, I don't believe in setting New Year's resolutions. Because whether we like it or not, most New Year's resolutions fail. And I think in some cases we set up a New Year's resolution because it's a something to do. Oh, they did it, they're posting about it, so I'm gonna do it too. But I think, in doing so, we're setting an objective that may be done in a non-serious, in a non-committal way. Well, you know, this guy whatever, makes a video about New Year's resolutions, or you're thinking about it, or a family member asks you, well, all right, shoot, now I gotta think of something. Oh, oh, well, yeah, I I guess I could go and, you know... Of course, the most... (laughs) Look, the, the thing that everyone focuses on, well, I'm gonna try to get more in shape. Right? And then what happens? You get a temporary boost... You feel like, all right, you know, the first few days, all right, I'm giving this a shot. I'm putting my best foot forward, you know, here we go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really, you know, commit to this resolution this year. And then what happens? And this isn't just health-related. This applies to almost every single New Year's resolution that exists. Well, we falter. We falter because it is not something that we are truly sincere about. We falter because it is something that... Instead of seriously taking the time to sit and consider said goal, we're doing it because well they're doing it. Someone asked me about it. It's just something to do. With that attitude, success is by no means a guarantee if anything it's it's likely not gonna happen. So we falter because again that commitment is not sincere. It's merely a facade. It'll last for a very short duration. Then it wanes. Well, do I really want to be doing this? I could do it later. There's better things I could be doing. I have to actually focus on this, this, and this instead. I'm gonna have to put this off. It's just not for another day. And then eventually, maybe it slips our mind. We forget about it. Until six, seven, eight months later, maybe even a year later, one way or another we're reminded of it, and what happens? Do we feel glad that we made that New Year's resolution? Do we feel happy that we made it? No. Because we didn't succeed at it, didn't even come close to it most of the time. It's a reminder of the problems that still continue to perhaps face us, and the fact that we did nothing to solve them. And, because of insufficient strategy, we now feel like we weren't able to tackle them. We feel a sense of failure. Feel like we didn't accomplish the goal. And it could bring you down. New Year's resolutions. Yes, you get the occasional story. I kept my New Year's resolution... Look at me, I look like a, a freaking uh, hunk now, you know? Oh, look at this, I said I was going to work harder, and now I got this promotion, yeah. It's as if it actually works that way. But someone will say that. Someone will say, well, my, my resolution is to get more organized. And they post their perfect, grammable picture of, you know, the tidiest room you've ever seen. And so on. You know, the list goes on and on and on. And those are the exceptions. That's not the rule when it comes down to New Year's resolutions. It's the reason sometimes those posts about the people who actually succeeded with them get the traction that they do. Because by and large, it's a rare thing. I know with the New Year, it's an easy time to say, I'm going to start this because it's a new calendar year. But ask yourself this, number one, at midnight, when it changed from 2020 to 2021, do you feel like a different person now that you're in a new year? I'm asking that rhetorically because we all know the answer, no. It's like you're ever... You ever get asked a question, you know, when you have a birthday? And especially a milestone birthday, but any birthday. Well, someone may ask, How do you feel now that you're whatever? Now that you're 18. Now that you're 21. Now that you're 50. How, how do you feel I think to myself, am I supposed to feel any different? I, I mean, I feel exactly the same as I did the day before. I'm the same person, right? I mean, the only age I think that there might be a little exemption, and it just depends, is 21, and that's if you've already asked that question before or after a good number of legal drinks. Yeah, and then you might say, yeah, I'm fe- oh, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm feeling glad to be 21. And then there's the night wears on. And took too much. Ugh, oh, I'm not feeling so good. <laughs> it's really it's the worst joke I've ever said. Ever. But you know, it's like, of course you don't really feel any different. It's another day, but it's all mental. These numbers inside of our head and on paper, it's all real, but we don't, we don't transform. It's not like the second I turned 18, and, you know, I'm sitting there, still legally a child, you know, at at 17 years, 364 days, and, you know, I'm sitting there staring at the clock, and as the pendulum is swinging, I'm still wearing a little pair of shorts, and a striped t-shirt, and I'm only three feet tall. I have a buck tooth with a little beanie and a little propeller on that, and I'm holding a lollipop. And I'm standing there, looking at the, the clock, and then it strikes midnight, 18th birthday, and all of a sudden, phew, I sprout three feet taller you know, my clothing magically transforms into business wear. All these muscles start appearing spontaneously. Facial hair just rapidly starts uh, shooting from my face. And, you know, on and on and on. It's like, that does not happen. I mean, or may- maybe it happens to everyone else, and I'm just, like, some sort of genetic abnormality. And maybe this is really what birthdays are like, but... You know, because I always used to play in the ditch near the nuclear power plant, you know, maybe something's wrong with me. (laughs) It's another bad joke, I'm really cracking them tonight. But it's like, obviously such things don't happen. It's kind of a funny image to conjure up. But from one day to the next, we're the same. Yeah, the number changes, but we're still the same person, we're the same individual physically, for the most part, mentally. So as 2020 turns to 2021, I know on paper, it's a nice organizational day. But as a person, we aren't any different. For the most part, our physicality, our situation, our organization, and our lives have not substantially changed from December the 31st, 2020 to January the 1st, 2021. Resultantly, New Year's is no different than any other day. When it comes down to goals and setting up goals, like I said, because of that, because there's no magical change at the New Year, When we try to artificially set up these goals and really what's a random day. They don't work. They they don't. And a lot of them are destined to fail. And for any of you who set up New Year's resolutions, I know that's not what we want to hear. So here's just my view. Number one, I'm not saying that the things that we set as resolutions Are illegitimate. I think almost all of them may be issues one way or another that we want to try to tackle, that we want to try to improve on, that we want to try to build and work to adjust and again improve. But I think a successful goal in order for it to be met usually requires some planning. Now, yeah, things can spontaneously be decided and they can work. But I think in many instances, we need that sense... What's the right word that I'm looking for? Not obedience, but a sense of discipline in order to ensure that that goal gets met. And in order... For that sense of discipline to work when there's really no one else but ourselves telling us to meet this goal? Because here's the thing about discipline. I personally think that it's hardest to ever apply when it's us trying to discipline ourselves. Well, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to, you know, and of, of course it's possible. And I know for a fact, any folks out there who have battled addiction and won, uh, you know, who are listening to this right now are proof of that. That's one of the best examples of training one's discipline I could even think of. You know, to resist those, those cravings, those urges, to fight back against it. For your own goodwill. And again, in some cases, yes, there are facilities, places that kind of help instill that sense of control, that sense of discipline, etc. But there's those instances where you're on your own. Let's say trying to quit smoking or whatnot. But that's proof right there that yes, you can do that. You know, you can... Almost fight against yourself in a sense and win, but it's not easy. And I, I imagine, at least from what I've read and researched and seen, so many of the folks who do do this successfully are either a prompted into doing so by very drastic action, or b are serious and committed. It's not one of those things that you'll just sit there and say, "Oh, dee da di da I don't think I'm going to quit today. You know, just out of the blue. With no no planning, nothing. Not as easy as that, usually. Now, that's just one example. We're not really talking about addiction here, but it's just an example. Things like that that happen spontaneously, the success rate of that is very rare. So when you have a goal that you want to meet... You want to attain, and you want guaranteed success. My personal advice to you, not to start any resolution on that on January 1st, just because I think it's going to be a good day to do that. Start it when you're ready to. Mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it takes. And I guarantee you, if you do that, the success rate will probably be substantially higher than if you just picked January 1st, because that's for the New Year's resolutions. Planning, determination. That can be the difference between success and failure in some instances. So, and I don't know how many people really care about this stuff, but if someone's ragging on you, I don't have a New Year's resolution, you know, forget about them. If you have to set up a goal in April or May, and really, we're talking about goals here. New Year's resolutions, they call them that because it's a timely thing, but in the end, we're talking about goals, the success thereof, and why I think these artificially set up goals are almost in some ways destined for failure. But like I was just saying, we we just know that goals, in order to try to ensure at least the best success possible, they need seriousness, they need determination, they need persistence, they need dedication. Setting something up in a of spontaneity, especially a long-term serious goal, the odds aren't in your favor, but they aren't zero. In the end, if you set up a New Year's resolution, I wish you all the very best on it, and don't give up. You can be all ready, and if it happens to be at the New Year, then it happens to be on the New Year. But try your best. Look, if it wears you down and just didn't work out, it didn't work out, but don't let that get the best of you. Sometimes we don't win, but that doesn't mean we have to completely give up. So to all those of you out there with New Year's resolutions, I I explained why I don't set one myself, but you can do what you want. And if it works for you, it works for you. So I hope you succeed in whatever endeavors you have planned for this new year. You're listening in to VORW Radio International. Now I'm going to get up here and I'm going to open the window. I want to let some cool air in. Sip of water. I have to prop this window open here with a book to figure this out. It's easier to do with two hands. All right, now uh, we're going to read a few random pieces of correspondence. Uh, Again, the uh, predictions are welcome at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Any miscellaneous feedback also is welcome via email to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. If you have a piece of fan art you would like to submit... Uh, just send in the file as an attachment or send a link to the image hosting site of your choice, email it to me, and let me know how you would like to be credited. Uh, maybe attach, um, you know, an Instagram page, a social media profile, a website, or just your name, but however you would like to be credited, uh, please let me know. So uh, fan art is welcome there. Without further ado, let's crack open this mailbag and let's see uh, what a few listeners have to say. All right, let's get our first email and question here. Uh, We do have a number of comments, of course, on holiday spirit or lack thereof, because I asked a direct question last time about the holiday spirit. Do you feel it this year or do you not? Lots of folks, when I had previously asked it, said that they don't feel it but let's see what this audience has to say. Tim in New Jersey. I wanted to respond to the question from the latest podcast. I feel the reason why Christmas spirit isn't shown is out of respect for others. I haven't lost anyone close to me this year, but I have empathy for those who did. Therefore, I am not going to act overly joyous this time of year. I enjoy your criticisms about our overly consumerist lifestyles. This is the first time where I don't care that I didn't get a new PlayStation. It's much more important to donate food and supplies to local food pantries to help people through these rough times. Thanks as always, Tim from New Jersey. Thank you, Tim, for your comment. Uh, We have an email coming in from Brooke who says, I agree with what you're saying about this season on the podcast. It doesn't feel like Christmas this year. There are a lot more decorations around my neighborhood this year, and everyone around me put their Christmas trees up before Thanksgiving. I wonder if people are feeling the same, so they're trying to force the feeling with Christmas decorations, music, movies, etc. Or maybe people are doing uh, these things for some routine comfort this year. This entire year feels like it's gone by within a week, but at the same time, it feels like it's dragged on. Let's all cross our fingers for 2021. However, I don't have much hope that the new year will be a lot better than this year. I feel like all my motivation and energy has been drained by 2020, so I'll keep praying for a better year in 2021. Now, I you know, it's a good point, though. I wonder, and like, I just don't know, Are these being done, perhaps, out of routine? Or is it being done, like... Maybe the two are tied together. It's trying to force, right, a sense of routine comfort this year. Uh, So good points. Thank you, Brooke, for writing in. Uh, Tracy checks in. I, like you, have never been much of a holiday person. I'm not a Grinch or a Scrooge, either, but the holidays have just never been my thing. But this year, I actually felt a lot of holiday spirit. I even put up Christmas decorations, something I have never done before, and found myself playing Christmas music in my apartment and watching Christmas movies. I even spent some time hand-making Christmas cards and sending them out to my friends and family. 2020 was such a wild year, where each day was indiscernible, as you aptly put it, And it made me think of the song that says, We Need a Little Christmas. I felt like I needed some bright lights and a reason to to feel cheerful as this blob of a year came to a close. It did give me some normalcy and a sense of joy, and I think I may find myself celebrating Christmas again in the future. Hope everyone listening to this podcast can find a way to bring themselves a little joy in 2021. Stay safe and keep up the wonderful work from Tracy. So we do have uh, a response coming in from someone who was feeling the holiday spirit, more so. So that's interesting. I can understand that, though, because I see what you mean, that this last year was so, so god-awful. Why not, right? It's, It's something, anything. Josie in Birmingham, England, writes in, responding to the question um, in regards to the podcast and the holiday spirit, and if it's different this year, she writes, the answer is 100% yes. Now, I'm not a Christian, and I don't believe in God, but I am huge on Christmas. I love it. Everything is so warm and beautiful. I love spending time with my family, opening gifts, having fun, uh, but this year it was very different. With COVID, it's only getting worse and worse here in England. It's a never-ending nightmare. I almost cried today, seeing how many new cases and deaths there were on the news. So yeah, my holiday spirit has been at an all-time low this year. Even on Christmas Eve, it didn't feel like it one bit. Like you said, it just felt like any other day. I'm feeling the same about the new year, too. I usually celebrate that with my family. We gather around, eat food, play games, etc., But I'm not feeling excited at all. Everything just feels normal, if you could call it that. guess you could say I feel numb to everything. Thank you for reading. You're still a huge light in my life, and you always cheer me up with everything that's going on in the world. It's people like you that keep it turning, at least for me. So thank you, Josie, over there in Birmingham, England. And I know it seems like with every day, the situation over there in the UK doesn't improve, but... All I can say is just hold out. You know, it's it's one of those things that it fluctuates, it undulates, and sometimes it seems like, especially this year, when one problem maybe even starts to get solved, another one comes up, another problem, um, you know, comes to to prominence. Sometimes it seems like there's like a nexus between one problem and the next, you know, it's like one is already tied to the next and then that comes up and then another starts and then another and it never ends. But in other instances, stuff just comes out of the blue, but... All I can say is that there will be a day when it gets better. You know, I don't know when it will be. And it's a lie to say anything about this next year as a matter of fact, definitively, you know, that, oh, 2021 is definitely going to be you know the end of covid now, it's definitely going to be the it's definitely going to be the year that this happens and that happens and like i said i try to hold this approach where it's like i try to see things in this world for what they are but i try to hold out a little bit of optimism too because otherwise if you don't do that it, you 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 see very little in some cases in in so much but having even a little bit of optimism. It's not unnatural. It's not living in a fantasy land. But sometimes that optimism holds true. And it really can can keep a lot of folks going. I think with every span of time, you know, we get some good, we get some bad, and we get, well, sometimes more than the other, But in the end, I mean, for instance, with 2021, we don't know how this year is going to be. But at this point, at least I tell myself, it's a clean slate. We don't know what's going to happen yet. We don't know what the future holds, what's planned. We don't know what kind of year it is. It might be a real good one, who's to say? So one thing that I tell myself, kind of in a positive light... You never know what's going to happen until it does sometimes. And 2021, it might have its surprises. It might have its twists and turns. It might have some real low moments, some very deep valleys, but it might have some very high peaks as well. We just don't know. So thank you, Josie. Just hang in there. Things, there will be a day one day where things over there in the UK will get better. And uh, all, I, all I ask is just hold out, you know? Just one foot in front of the next, and just take it day by day. You know, even through all this, we have some good days, we have some bad days, day by day. All right, we have an email coming in from Ashley, listening in on Spotify. I'm not a big holiday person, and I feel like this year wasn't as festive for Christmas as it was in the past 21 years I've been alive. I didn't really feel the Christmas festivities at all this year, in all honesty, 2020 definitely feels different this year. And to think about it, we all only had January and February without having masks on before going into quarantine this year. To be a bit vulnerable, 2019 and this year were two of the toughest years I've ever been through, but 2020 felt like I was empty. I think the quarantine, it really changed the way I think about my future, but it really made me feel how much I have neglected myself regarding self-care and such, in order to please others. Some people might see this as being selfish, but I don't really think it's being selfish at all. Don't forget to take care of yourself as well. So thank you, Ashley, and uh, thank you for some song recommendations for the shortwave broadcast. Um, let me mark down your email here so I don't forget about these. Certainly try to get a couple of these played for you. And uh well you raised a very good point. And here's the thing. You know, take this for what you will and I know you already you you already know this. Um 2020 obviously was a tough year. But I think one good thing in your case that that came out of this and I don't think that it's selfish one single bit. And I I think anyone who who thinks that you know that's selfish they they, they need to reevaluate things. Because, despite all this has happened, despite all that's happened, you're able, through the quarantine, to take a look at your life, take a look at what's going on for you personally, and realize that, yes, it's important to take care of myself. And even though others might feel this way or that way or want this or that out of me, I need to be happy with myself. I need to take care of myself. And you know what? If there are people out there, and this is just my personal ideology, that tell you, you have to be this way, you have to be that way, you need to do this, you need to do that, to the point where, number one, you don't perhaps necessarily agree with it, or you're not even able, you know, to give your own say edgewise and let them know how you really think they just demand things of you like that that's not right that is that is not right it's in my opinion neglecting neglecting you as a human being pretty much saying well your thoughts what you think who you are as a person that doesn't that doesn't matter to me I don't care what you think or what you feel or what you want or what you don't want I just don't care that's what it, it speaks volumes to me, so really, I mean, good on you for, you know, just realizing that there are these issues, how important it is to take care of ourselves, so, uh, one good thing came out of this here, at least in, in your circumstance, uh, very important at, at, at that as well. It is funny that you mentioned the mask wearing, though, I was looking at some, even some old reviews of mine from, uh, January and February of last year. And I think I could even pinpoint the first review that I did where I was kind of concerned uh, about COVID-19. And that would be, because I remember just thinking about, as I was doing these reviews, because there was so little that we really knew about the virus, especially early on in the pandemic. We remember, we weren't really sure about how well the virus transferred on objects. And, you know, I wasn't sure at first, um, is the virus able to survive, you know, on cardboard? Uh, are you okay to get stuff, you know, delivered or, or go in the stores to pick stuff up? You know, I didn't know. Um I remember the first review where I ever had those legitimate concerns. Um you can even go back. I don't I don't think I mentioned it I might have, I don't know. Uh Pizza Hut new mozzarella poppers pizza from February 14th, 2020. The pizza was effing horrible. I remember that. It was so terrible pizza, too. It was awful. It's a disgusting dreadful pizza. But I think, let me just listen. I I think at the very end I might have uh, addressed COVID directly. Let's see. Because it, it was already in the news back then. Let's see. I think that's the first time I mentioned it on the main channel. Yeah, I think it was the first video. I only mentioned it in passing, but I think it was the first one I did on the main channel that directly addresses it. Um, But... I mean, I was talking about it on this podcast in mid-January, and then YouTube shut it down. They said, we don't want you talking about it on this site anymore, because whatever I had to say about it, they didn't like. I don't know what I said wrong. I was just telling the facts that it came from Wuhan, and that's it. I, I don't know. I don't know why people were upset, you know, but they striked the channel, and Told me to delete them all, so I had to. They're still on SoundCloud, if you ever want to go back to the early days. But I remember that. I remember... Oh, what was it? Oh, God, this review. Going back to, um, March 15th, I reviewed the Big Dipper Pizza from Pizza Hut. And this was at that very weird time where, like, the public was, like, really divided... On face masks where like the majority of the general public was still um, anti face mask but there was a percentage that was pro face mask and kind of as a joke uh, in the review most people didn't have a problem with it I reviewed this pizza in March the Pizza Hut Big Dipper pizza wearing a uh, surgical mask and gloves some people were furious at me. they were saying, "You don't need to wear the mask you don't need to you know it's and and people were really upset back then, but now uh you know masks are so normalized I, I don't think the appeal of that would ever really have the same effect that it did back then. kind of funny though how that is yeah, the face masks i uh i when I had to do a little bit of a, a, travel, I wore two face masks, and you could call me mentally ill for doing that, I really don't care, you can go ahead, um, I wore a surgical mask, and a KN95 mask over that, so two masks, honestly wearing the double masks isn't as bad as I thought, I would wear two masks over a single N95 mask any day, to tell you the truth, It's way more comfortable, and I've worn both those N95 masks, let me tell you, they suck the life out of you. They really do. They, they're they meant to, but it's not comfortable. At least the, the two masks, it gets a little warm, but that's it. And especially in cold climates. Can't really say that's too uh, too bad of a thing. So uh, thank you again. I was rambling a little bit, but thanks for writing in. Uh, we have a quick question from Vuk in France. When you record your shows, do you find it awkward not to speak to a human? I have a hard time leaving a message on an answering machine, so I'm curious to know how you handle a similar situation for the length of an entire show. Do you look at the microphone? Do you look at the table? Do you look more to the left or to the right? I understand that while thinking, people have a tendency to look to their left. You know, as a matter of fact, I I look more to the right, actually, so I don't know what that means. Maybe that means that I'm really effed up. (laughs) Yeah. But, um... Now, number one, as I record the shows, none of that stuff bothers me. Uh, Talking into the microphone doesn't bother me. As a matter of fact, I'm much more comfortable talking into the microphone than I would ever be, um you know, let's say, if I were in a studio talking with a number of co-hosts, way more comfortable doing a one-man show and just talking to this microphone. But as I record the show, I look at different things. Um, I'm not always looking at the computer screen. Right now, I'm not. I'm looking um, at the table that I have the computer set up at, and I'm just kind of staring at this printer that's on the table, and I'm just looking at that, honestly. There's a piece of paper on top of that printer that sometimes I'll look at, too. There's a telephone that sometimes my eyes will fall on. You know, sometimes I'll just kinda have my head down, I'll just look in my lap, or I'll look at my socks. Um, sometimes I'll grab the microphone, I'll pace around, and I'll just kinda look at the floor, or look at the walls, or something set up at a window here, so on occasion I'll kind of really turn my head to the right and uh, look out the window. There's not much to see but sometimes I'll just kind of stare out into the darkness. And other times, like right now, I'm looking at the screen, I'm looking at the clock, and the uh, waveform of the audio that I'm recording right now. I'm switching the tab, I'm back to your email, and now i'm over at the tab where i had these reviews open so let's close out the pizza hut review and these two now i'm checking the clock now i'm checking the waveform again seeing what this tab is now we're back at your email and now i'm looking again at the desk in front of me but not the computer just the desk itself the edge of it so you can kind of see i just I look at different things and this is just me narrating what I look at it's not like I just stare at one thing or the other I just kind of look around while I record and my eyes go to one thing to the next to the next and then you know back to something else And no rhyme or reason to it but honestly I always look to the right which is interesting if people look to the left why do I look to the right I don't know but that's just what I do. I almost never look to the left. It's strange. I don't know why. I just turned my head to the left. I'm capable of doing it, but I don't. Very interesting stuff. But that's uh, just, I think it's different for everyone else. And I think everyone has a certain degree of comfort, perhaps innately, as to how they feel in regards to talking to inanimate an or artificial objects. I don't know if this helps, but as someone who I've talked to myself quite a bit, maybe that makes it more comfortable to just record by myself. I don't know. But, you know, sometimes I'll do that. And, uh, you know, sometimes verbalize some thoughts or whatever to myself. Maybe that's just over the years, because I have done that my entire life, made it just more familiar uh, in terms of recording this. You know, it's not really anything new. I don't know. Interesting, though. Thank you for your question. What do we have here? We have an email coming in from Hamza in Morocco. Uh (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) These... I have to be quiet, too. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'll just you know, for those of you watching, I'll just put these up on the screen for you. <laughs> oh my gosh! So thank you. You um made these p- p- pictures. I don't know why they're not, they're just it's the simplicity of it that that did me in. Really, it 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 really did me in. Just these photoshops. There I am with David Bowie. There I am on the, the jury for 12 Angry Men. <laughs> there I am doing whatever this is. Oh my gosh, I don't know if that's World War II or Vietnam or what. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. Something about those pictures just really did me in and gave me a good laugh. Uh, you even said I made these pictures for a personal laugh, but never shared them. Oh no, they did. They made me laugh. So thank you there. Um... You were asking also, just a general question, any future plans for uh, your stuff? Um, You have a really soothing voice, so I think you'd be great at reading audiobooks or a news anchor. Well, I hope to continue the YouTube and the podcast and all that for as long as I possibly can, as long as I can sustain myself doing that. Of course, doing some other things here and there along with it. You know, if audiobooks or whatever, if I really got a good deal or something, maybe I'll go ahead, as long as the contents of the book aren't personally objectionable. You know, I'm not going to sit there and read some erotic novel, uh, really, no matter how much someone was willing to pay me. So, it would really just depend on the book's uh, contents, but providing that it's inoffensive, you know, or whatever, i well, uh, I'd consider it. But really, it's just incredible that I've been able to do this for as long as I have. It's, it's truly incredible. So, uh, it was all very unplanned. I didn't make this stuff with the intention of it ever becoming a livelihood. It just kind of happened. But it's wonderful in that way, too. And I'm just trying my best to work with it. We've got Fabrizio in Brazil writing in. Hi John, it's been and uh you said it's been a while since my last correspondence. Uh Fabrizio, I remember you. Uh it's great to hear from you again. It's 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 really great to hear from you. I always remember your emails. It's great to hear from uh you and all our listeners down there in Brazil. I sometimes I'm not the best with names and faces, but regular listeners I always try to catalogue at least somewhere, you know, in a metaphorical file, somewhere in my mind. Um so it's good to hear from you again. He said, uh, I'm catching up on a few broadcasts, but it's always been a pleasure to uh, listen to the show. Now, 2020 has actually been one of the best years of my life, albeit for all the wrong reasons. It was this year which I've been finally able to understand why I do some of the things that I do. Analyzing the trauma I've suffered wasn't easy, but I'm better for it. I wish you a happy, healthy, and prosperous 2021. For you, your loved ones, and all my fellow listeners. Fabrizio in Brazil, thank you for writing in. And I think this is another case, right? In some ways, it's different, but similar. Here's where I will draw a connection. In some ways, I think, 2020 and all of the events all of the circumstances, all of the changes in it, in a sense have been the impetus for self-reflection. When maybe we're stuck at home, we're just stuck by ourselves, whatever, we're given this time, or our lifestyle has changed in such a way that we see it from a different angle. In that way, it in some cases exposes certain problems, maybe certain things we didn't realize or didn't want to address. Remember what we said about goals earlier on in the broadcast. And it allowed us to see these things, examine them, understand them, and then perhaps either work to better live with them, or in some cases, fix, counter, or improve upon these issues. So I'm very glad to hear, though, that this year, as crazy as it's been, Uh, at least has provided you an opportunity to maybe see some things that you didn't really want to see, but maybe it's made you all the better for it. So uh, I really hope your life, you know, continues to be on the right track, continues to be going all right, and I wish you the best in 2021 as well. A quick question going in from a, a listener from AK, or goes by the name AK. I am not available for any of your live shows except for Sunday is that when you have a live broadcast. Also, may I know your mailing address, if you have one. Unfortunately, I don't have a mailing address. and Unfortunately, my radio broadcasts only go out live Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evenings. Um, on the air, last night I was saying that if anyone out there is sadistic enough to ever want to listen to this bullshit for any longer than they absolutely have to, uh, they can catch a repeat airing of my show on Sunday evenings. I know the repeat airings, you know, they're never as good as the real thing, Um, but if it is something that you're interested in and you have a shortwave radio, then you can listen into this repeat airing of the broadcast every Sunday evening at the time of 9 p.m. Eastern on 5850 kilohertz. That's 5850 kilohertz for listeners all across North America. So that's when you can hear it. I'm just sorry that there aren't any live shows on uh, Sundays. There used to be a Sunday show, but I discontinued that about six months ago. Unfortunately, the operating costs for a broadcast four nights a week We're just too high. So, now it's just a rebroadcast of the Saturday show that goes out every Sunday. Uh, As for mailing address, I don't have one, and um, that's just where that stands right now. If anything ever does materialize there, of course, I'll, I'll let you know, I'll let everyone know, but we don't have anything right now. Next email comes in from... You know, let's see. An anonymous listener who said, uh, please keep me anonymous. Certainly, I respect that. I heard a lot about sinkholes in Florida, and I've been seeing it in movies lately, so I wanted to ask you if you have ever seen or had to evacuate um, because of a sinkhole. And I'd like to thank you for the podcast. Have a great new year. Thank you, listener. Um, I know Florida... Is known for the sinkholes I know that it is and I will look up and I bet let me do this right now it's kind of tough to type with one hand but here we go if we look up sinkhole Florida and then we go to the news I bet we'll find a story about it oh yeah there we go four days ago sinkhole in Gainesville Florida it's a little bit up north yeah, I guess right near someone's house too. But here's the thing: Florida is a state where there are lots of sinkholes. They say. I guess it looks like most sinkholes in Florida are reported in Hernando County, Hillsborough County, and Pasco County. Now that's all in the Tampa area with Hernando County being a little further to the north, but they're kind of like three counties in a row there, so they're very close to each other. And it says sinkholes can form anywhere in Florida, but the highest yeah level of activity occurs in west-central Florida, which makes sense, um, because of the the karst limestone environment. Uh, as well as long-term weather conditions, heavy acidic rains, drought-like conditions. Now, sinkholes are creepy. It's like, it almost feels like an unnatural fear, but it is legitimate in some ways, that there's this void below you that can just, you know, open up at any given instance swallow you down, swallow it all down, and you're, you know, you're dead. Isn't that kind of creepy? But I do not let that fear get to me, because... And here's one good thing to ask yourself, you know, also. And this is just what I've realized, because no one tells you this. I've just realized this in life through observations. And make of it what you will, but this is what I tell myself. If something and this isn't true for every case but in some instances like this you know where you're in in fear let's say about sinkholes or if you're at least concerned if something happens and every time it does it gets media attention then that tells me one of two things either a the media has some weird obsession with the story, and they just love covering it for some reason, or B, though it may be more common than in other areas, it is still uncommon to the point, and rare to the point, where it still requires news attention. I don't know if anyone could hear that train... Uh, uh, that train horn, I don't know how sensitive the microphone is, but I'm curious. I don't know, that's miles and miles away, too. If it does, I'm impressed, but anyway. Off topic. Um, if it gets media attention, then it's still rare or significant enough that it's not an everyday occurrence. If sinkholes opened up left and right, and it was just a normal, everyday thing, then it would be treated as such. Yeah, another, yeah you know, oh, Bob Bob down the street uh, died because this is a sinkhole. Uh, another one, yeah, it's the third one on the street this last week, you know. it's, It's like, it's not like that. Now, I haven't lived in Florida my whole life. I'm not... Sometimes you see these trucks going around down there that have these stickers that say Flow Grown. Because, you know, one thing that is true about Florida, there's so few people down there that actually were born and raised in Florida. So some people, you know, are kind of proud that they, that they were born there. And I get it. Um, of course, I myself was not. But, you know, I've still been there for a couple of years now. I've never seen a sinkhole with my own two eyes. I never have. I've never seen one. I've never witnessed one, I don't think I've ever been near one, never had to evacuate, I have no first-hand encounters whatsoever with the sinkhole of any nature. I've seen some stories on local news here and and there, but like the last sinkhole-related one I remember was like a year ago, so that tells you how frequent they really are. Now then you could kind of get into the, you know, you could start, I don't want to say pull when it strings, but it could be like, yeah, but how do you really know if you're you're safe from the sinkholes? How, how do you know that there isn't one right beneath you right now? Well, I don't. What can I do about it? It gets to the point where you start, look, you can either go about this two ways. You can become paranoid of every little thing in the world, and I've been there before. Or, you can just look at it and say, well, if it happens, it happens. What am I going to do about it? For instance, you can live in fear. I'm looking out the window right now, and I see, aside from that, it's like, all right, I hear that train horn. How do I know that that isn't a train that has a boxcar full of, like, 20 to 40 highly trained assassins that are coming up just to come and kill me. How do, how do I know that that's not what's, what's happening right now? That this is, this is coming up, and they're blaring that train horn, you know, as an intimidation tactic uh, to just show me that they're getting closer and closer. And once it gets to the station, you know, all these Navy SEALs or whatever are going to leap out... And they're just going to make their way over here and they're going to get me. Right? It's like, come on. Is it that? Or is it just a train? You know, I'm looking out the window again. And... I see a light. In the distance. Now. What is that light? Is it a, a distant light from someone's house? Someone's light outside? What if it's like a, a specially blended laser sight? Someone's got a sniper rifle and they're, they're aiming it at me right now and they're just trying to get the perfect headshot. Is it that or is it just a light? But I'm not saying that you could examine situations and you can make anything of it what you will. Anything, really. If you, if you try hard enough, you can. But in my opinion... See, using this as an excuse isn't the right thing because i even uh, am am very i criticize it myself because there are in my opinion, there are more threats in this world than many are willing to address, but not everything is a threat. That's what I'm trying to say. Keep your guard up, but the entire world doesn't doesn't want to kill you, you know, and not everything. Um, is evil. But don't be blasé about it, either. Keep your guard up. Have a second pair of eyes, you know? Be aware of your surroundings. Because I do think that there is an inherent um, evil nature either to some, if not all, people. I don't know, some people are just despicable folks. So it's like, be aware of your surroundings, all right? It's one thing you hear this train whistle or whatever, a train horn. It's like, it's just a train. It's just, I hear it every single night. It's either a freight train or the Amtrak train going by or something, and uh it's no big deal. Does this every single night at this time. But if I see, number one, you have the obvious things. All right, there's some sketchy-looking guy, you know... Dressed in all black with a helmet on and looks like some commando, and he's got a machete and he's walking around in my driveway. Yeah, that's a cause for concern. I wouldn't say that that's something to, um, you know, brush off and say, oh, it's 3 a.m. Uh, I think that this guy is just some new uh, exotic type of landscaper that my neighbors hired to go in the, the middle of the night and do this. Nah, I'd say, yeah. Uh, that's a real good cause for concern to start getting worried. You know, (laughs) look around at what's going on in the world, and you see certain things happening that are legitimate concern to be worried, that sometimes get blown off as, as not. But it's all circumstantial, but it's just, you know, keep your eyes open, look around, and... The entire world, again, isn't a threat, but there are threats out there. I think you guys understand the gist of what I'm trying to say. It's circumstantial. But sinkholes, they're a real problem, they're creepy. Um, but it's not, I wouldn't say, as prevalent as sometimes the impression is given. And I just say that from first-hand experience. But it is a concern, these things are real. It's not like sinkholes are fake. It's just part of the agenda, you know, to, I don't know, advocate not moving to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) No, sinkholes are very real and uh, certainly keep it in the back of your mind if you want. All right, next email and um, real quick let's take a little water break here. Going with the straw, got some straw action. There we go. got that water. Got it all good there. All right, we got Mark in Florida <laughs> writing in. That must have been the most dramatic sipping sequence ever. Uh, Mark in Florida writes in. Hope the email finds you well. I've uh, been a longtime fan of yours. I actually remember when the Report of the Week channel had only a few thousand subscribers. I congratulate you on the success of your channel and wish you all the best. This coming year. I recently discovered your radio show and have grown to thoroughly enjoy hearing your perspective and opinions on the various topics you discuss. You continue. I know you probably haven't been much of a gamer these days, but I'd love to hear you discuss this crazy news story. KFC, yes, Kentucky Fried Chicken, has partnered with the computer hardware manufacturer Kohler Master Company to produce their own high-tech gaming console that boasts 4K ray tracing, 240 frames per second, and even a (laughs) built-in chicken warmer. KFC announced the console back in June. You've reviewed many KFC products and had interesting takes on them as an establishment in the past. Please let us hear your thoughts about this seemingly surreal product. Thanks and much love from Mark in Florida. Uh, Postscript. My friend, you are a source of positivity and inspiration to many. Well, thank you, Mark, for your kind words there. So, I'm looking at it right now. Thanks for the news article. You linked me, by the way. Um, title says, KFC launches game console with built-in chicken warmer. Let's see. Not a long article, so let's read a little bit. Uh, The chicken chamber will keep its contents hot, ready for consumption during intense gaming sessions. Yeah, like you said, it's... People thought it was fake, but I guess it's real. And... KFC has done this in the past, I guess. Now, there's no release date or expected price... But I guess they've done this in the past where they say, well, you know, they partnered with Crocs and uh, introduced the limited edition shoe covered in fried chicken print. But, you know, they have, yeah, you know, this gaming console with a little heating oven or something in it. They call it KF Console. See, console begins with a C. You have C and KFC. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder... Well, two things. Number one, I see, I'm so out of touch with the gaming stuff, and I know a lot of you folks listening, and you, you're very familiar with this. I would say there's lots of gamers uh, who listen into this, and I know you, you you folks will know the answer to this. Is overheating a concern anymore with, with gaming consoles? Because I know in the past, I'm talking years ago, uh, overheating... Obviously was a bit of a concern, and you never wanted whatever the console or even your computer to overheat my My wonder is how will having you know an oven inside the gaming console affect you know the electronics therein so that's number one: will that be okay? I mean certainly it seems like it boasts some. Decent, uh, qualities. Uh, secondly, I wonder how messy it would be. I mean, is the heating compartment clearly separated, and is it like its own void, its own entity, inside this? Because otherwise, all I have is like this... somehow this vision of you know, you're putting in this big juicy piece of KFC chicken into your gaming console. How silly a thought that is to conjure, number one. And as it's heating, the moisture inside starts to build. And you start having these little, uh, you know, rivulets of maybe like water or, or you know, chicken juice or whatever you want to call it, fat and oil start running down and seeping out of the the little heating compartment and it starts in little droplets and stuff uh you know seeping into the rest of the gaming console and it's just like this disgusting mess and it really starts to smell and it starts affecting the electronics these are all just logistical questions and little technicalities that i'm just really curious about that i don't know there's no answers to this but they say that it's real They say that they will release it. That's what it comes down to. Now, I think, number one, it's going to be very expensive. I wouldn't be surprised if it's just something that they say is only going to be available to people who participate, you know, in this contest, in this giveaway. If they're really smart, they'll say... You know, oh, share this, whatever, and and some sort of, you know, buy this meal, buy this, buy that. Either A, get more interest in the company, or B, make them more money while doing just that. That's what they want. Um, It's a quirky, tacky product. I think it has no practical application whatsoever. Uh, I think such a thing as a microwave exists, and a toaster oven and if anything, I think it kind of encourages laziness, you know, to just not even want to move. But whatever, if you, if you want to eat it and you want to get the chicken warmer in the <laughs> in the the gaming console, whatever, it's fine. You can go for it. I'm just curious how it would actually work. Never heard of an oven in that. Yeah, I don't know. Guess it would work. Guess they've thought this through. But I really think that this is just something that is um. It's really just for a PR stunt, you know? And it's one of those crazy things that gets people talking, uh, you know, for social media marketing, etc. Now, other big chains have done this, too. You know, does anyone... And it almost seems like they've memory-holed these types of things, because it seems so, uh, like, no one ever remembers these at all. But I know they existed, and it's, you know, it's, it's real. You could still find it online. But it's really strange, like, there is one story that got news attention yeah, a couple years ago, and there were pictures and everything, this is from 2016, Pizza Hut said for the Super Bowl that they were giving away, like, five special, um, stuffed crust pizzas that were covered in 24 karat gold. They had all these promotional pictures of it. Number one, what it? I guess it's edible gold? I don't know. And they said they were giving these out. A 24-carat golden garlic knots pizza. Whatever happened to it? All I ever find are the same three pictures that they used in their PR campaign. Not a single instance did I ever find of one of these pizzas ever actually being made, or ever being given to anyone, despite them doing this whole publicity campaign and everything for it. Never heard of that happening. What about Domino's, when they made this new delivery vehicle, and they said, "Um, we're going to be giving out this car to a special, you know, loyal fan or whatever. And it comes with its own built-in pizza oven and everything. Whatever happened to that car? I've never heard a peep of it since. I've never seen anything of anyone winning that. I think this is going to be one of those same situations. The initial PR campaign gets coverage, it gets traction, it gets people talking, but nothing ever really materializes. Or if it does, it's just so rare, it's like, you're probably better off finding a unicorn or something, um than actually finding this real thing. I'm not going to knock them for it, though. It's advertising. Uh, this is what it's all about. They have to try to find creative and inventive ways to get their name in the headlines, and in the end, providing that, you know, this gaming console wasn't a fire hazard or causes serious harm to anyone, I really don't care one way or another. It's interesting. It's very tacky. I think it's, I think it's silly but it's viral marketing. That's the, whole, that's the whole point of it. So thank you for your question. All right, we have a piece of feedback coming in from Patrick in regards to the holiday spirit. I felt the same on December 25th. It didn't feel like it was Christmas. It was very, very weird. Pardon the term, but I felt dead slash lost inside, pondering why I felt morbid. Like you said, felt empty. Just hoping for better years uh, for 2021, unlike 2016 onwards. Thanks to the podcast and great reviews from Patrick. Thanks, Patrick, for sharing your thoughts and email. Uh, While we're at it, let's hit another holiday spirit email up. This one comes in from Antonia, and she writes... I wanted to respond to your question about the holiday season and having the, quote, spirit, unquote, of the holidays still there during 2020. I included pictures to illustrate my point. I've been quarantined with my mom and sister since March, like many people, but unlike most, I've been fortunate enough to be in a stable household with my immediate family. I think these two factors have made the biggest impact on my reality, and how I view this year as a whole, and not just celebrations throughout the year. I know it's a miracle that my family and I have not been affected by COVID in devastating ways up to this point. My sister and I both lost our jobs, but along with my mother, are still COVID-free and are able to support each other during this time with my mother's help. It has been traditional in our family for all of us to put the effort to create the food, apply decorations, supply any extra groceries needed for special treats, and dishes for each holiday, and to clean and prepare the house. In that respect, we make the holidays happen, and it takes true efforts every year. That being said, we had less to work with budget-wise, but it all worked out because we're only entertaining ourselves. The biggest difference I could give to those suffering with the holiday fatigue or blues is that they're so burnt out with the stress of keeping things together and working outside of the home in an environment where, let's be honest, people are less patient than ever, more frustrated, and extremely scared of the present and near future. I could imagine coming home and applying any efforts toward making Christmas uh, would sound too exhausting. This Halloween, I dressed in full makeup, cooked a ton of goodies, made a goodie bag of treats for a friend, and dropped it off at her front door, and we zoomed a movie that night together. It wasn't ideal, and I longed to be at her place like old times, but guess what? It was awesome. I had a great time, and I'm so glad I put the effort in. Thanksgiving, We prepared a feast for family and friends, dropped off their food, and put out fine china for ourselves and had Thanksgiving dinner. Was it exhausting and quiet with just us? Yep, but it was still Thanksgiving. Same with Christmas. We made tons of cookies, fudge, tamales, and sent them over to a dozen friends and family who were saying they felt no Christmas spirit, and they absolutely appreciated having that break with real Christmas goodies. We had our our dinner party, the three of us, and I dressed up and had a photo shoot with my pet bunny. Great Christmas. My point is, it depends on the person, and if they're used to holidays being done for them, or done by them, and then the amount of energy they're even capable of giving to it. That's very interesting, and I think you have an interesting point there. In regards to holidays and the holiday spirit, it's kind of and like you said right it also depends all right is it being done for me or by me right i think obviously one of the reasons why you're feeling the holiday spirit you know especially with everything going on you know like you said you make the holidays so you kind of have that control over it and that's, that's a that's a cool thing honestly and secondly i think this goes to illustrate the point that in some circumstances now everyone is different but I think sometimes certain things can be what you make of them. I mean, for instance, well, let's look at Halloween. And it depends on personality type circumstances, etc. But in some cases, the exact circumstance that you were in, some people would be very upset by it. They might wallow in it. They'll say, oh, God, I hate this. You know, I wish I could just be there in person doing this and watching this. I wish this damn thing would be over. And you, while still, you know, obviously having some, you know, some frustrations at the situation, you took those lemons and you made some lemonade, and you still made the most of it. So I think that's really interesting, and uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts. Another email we have coming in is from Jeff, who writes, I hope this message finds you well. I've been listening to your podcast a few days after it was uploaded. And uh, I'm sorry if this is a bit late, and to interject, you're fine. Uh, This is my first year living on my own. I've lived away from home for a few years now, but I've usually had roommates. Anyway, I wanted to consciously try to capture the holiday spirit, so I bought some cheap decorations at the start of December, and started putting on holiday music in the background as I went about my day-to-day activities. The weird thing is, it boosted my mood but it took some conscious effort and willpower to, quote, get into the spirit, unquote, each day. And by the middle of December, I just gave up, uh, left the uh, decorations up, but stopped watching Christmas movies or listening to holiday music. Anyway, uh, home is only an hour from where I live, so I took the risk of going there for Christmas Day. It was strange, but it boosted my mood immensely to be around family again. But it wasn't the same feeling as Christmas each year. I more felt relief from the isolation than I felt any Christmas spirit. As a last thought, I agree with you that time has been moving strangely this year. But funny enough, I can feel that it's winter. I live in the Northeast, and I was outside for an hour or two each day when the weather was warmer. Now I'm indoors all the time. And I'm out of work at the moment, so mostly just applying for new jobs each day. But the odd thing is that I've grown used to my current routine enough that a part of me doesn't want to leave it. I found some benefits to the solitude, and while I think my life was better before, I'm reading a lot more, and I've been reflecting a lot more. Now that it's winter, and especially I'm indoors all the time, I'm becoming a bit monastic... Which brings some benefits, even if it's probably not great for me. Sorry for the long message. Hope you're doing well. VORW is a boon in these times. Nice to have your voice on in the background while well, I'm getting some cooking or cleaning done. All the best from Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. I think it's interesting that you were kind of, well... In this case, I think the holiday spirit more so was artificial. You know, you tried to make something of it, but it just it wasn't really there. However, going to that location right where your folks were, that did it. Sometimes it just, it's all circumstantial. It all depends. So thank you for your email. And again, just another email that I I agree with in this regard. Um, Definitely the reflection. Certainly, I think it does some good. its I think one of the unintended positive consequences of this last year. You're listening to VORW, Radio International. All right, I moved my recording setup a tiny bit, but hopefully the, uh, you know, ticking clock or whatever, if you can hear it, isn't too uh, distracting. It isn't to me anyway, but I know everyone's different. So, uh, wrapping up the show, we'll go with a few more emails, just a couple. We, we really don't have a ton. Um, but we'll just go with a couple. We have a response coming in. No name given. Hello there, review bra. I'll try to keep it short, unlike my previous correspondence. For me, I think I've had only two, maybe three days where I felt a sense of festiveness, if you will, in parts of the days. One day, a few days before Christmas, and the day of the 25th, and maybe the 24th as well, Norway celebrates on the 24th, whereas England, and I presume America, is on the 25th. Other than those days, I've felt remarkably normal, like Christmas wasn't coming around this year, I suppose it decided to take a nap. One thing that stands out, that first day where I felt a bit festive for a time I was talking with someone about Christmas being three days away. I almost could not believe that it was so close. For me, time seems to really have, uh, to really flow as well, like you said it's been for you. Well, that's it for me. I don't know what else to say on the subject. Um, (laughs) P.S. You should have tried out that hot tub when you had your fall. Uh, test out the supposed healing properties. PS, PS, careful with those isotopes. Maybe they're what gives the hot tub its properties. PS, PS, PS I don't think I've ever, I don't think I ever actually know what PS stands for, so I hope I'm using it correctly. Uh, PS, 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 PS I, I'm pretty sure that suit collection of yours is an SCP. <laughs> no, you're using PS uh, correctly. No worries there. And it's interesting that in your case... It's like maybe it was little, little bouts, you know, of, again, feeling the holidays. Um, we have a email coming in from Danielle with a few thoughts. Uh, this was sent on New Year's Eve, so she writes, Happy New Year's Eve, regarding feelings around the holidays this year. Pardon if they're long-winded. In short, I haven't felt Christmas cheer, but I still felt the Christmas spirit that is to say, the reflective and contemplative roots of the uh, Christmas-slash-end-of-season end-of-year season are rising to the surface for me. I think the general shift of feelings toward the holidays this year has been best shown in the lyrical history of a standard Christmas tune, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. This song, over the years, has had many layers of cheer piled onto the original lyrics. The standard version heard today is rather cheesy, shallow, and non-serious. The original set of lyrics, which were revised even before the version skillfully performed by Miss Judy Garland in Meet Me in St. Louis, spoke to a contemplation of morality, a sadness caused by change, and making do with little, and a reference to the undeniably religious roots of Christmas. The original lyrics fit a 2020 Christmas. I will include versions of the song throughout the years. I understand your time is valuable, but I have just obsessed over this a lot, so I thought I'd include them for reference. As I said above, no, I haven't felt the same Christmas cheer this year, but as I have fretted over morality and adjusted to painful change this year, I will certainly say I have still felt the Christmas spirit. Maybe even those of us who haven't felt the typical cheer can see a bit of ourselves in the original lyrics. So, if anyone even wants to uh, check this out, there were three, um, and you can just find this all on YouTube. The first uh, link that she sent was the original, because obviously I can't play anything due to uh, copyright and stuff. But first, uh, you sent the original version of the lyrics, recreated with a modern instrumental arrangement that could be found um, by searching "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas" with the original lyrics, featuring Justina Maria Soto. Then the second you sent is uh, the second version with a uh, tinge of sadness, where uh, Mrs. Garland sings in context to a crying young girl in the story so that you could find um, meet me in st louis uh, the 1944 film judy garland have yourself a merry little christmas and then the third one uh, with more revisions to lyrics and tenses as requested by frank sinatra is the uh, more modern non-serious version best known today you could simply find that uh, have yourself a merry little christmas remastered the frank sinatra version so it's interesting, I'll be sure to check those out, but thank you for sending in the links. I know you're a shortwave listener as well, so uh, thank you for your reception reports as well, Danielle. I think it is fascinating how, you know, this song, obviously one of the old school Christmas standards, musically, you know, it's not, people will will hear it, and this is something I really didn't. No, I never really thought much about that song myself. That, you know, you you hear it, you hear the Sinatra version, and you think, oh, it's just the original, that's how it always was, but you realize now, now it's totally different. That's interesting, thank you. All right, Um, another question coming in from our Malaysian listener. Uh, question one, what phone do you use? I use an LG phone. Uh, I still use... This is the first and only smartphone I've ever had. I didn't even know what version it is. It's a Samsung Galaxy Note something. I don't know. I don't know what even version it is, but it's a good phone. I mean, it's I'm fine with it. It does a good job. And um that's what we have there. Uh, as for... Your second question, have you ever run out of space when recording a food review with your camera? Oh yeah, yeah, all the time, because you know I drag these things on for so long, and it's never my intention to make the videos as long as they are. Some people don't get it, it's, they think that I'm purposefully making the videos long, but I'm just a long-winded person. I've actually had a problem late, lately, um, like with the Mr. Beast burger video, for instance, and, um, I felt like, even though the video was 10 minutes, 53 seconds long, I tried to make it shorter, and I felt like I was really sacrificing the quality of the review for the shorter length. And I know people will look at that, they'll think, 10 minutes, 53 seconds, that's a long time. For me, that's not. Look at these shows, for instance. Look at how long, wind did I get in these? I could probably do the videos for 30 minutes if I wanted to. Um, But then, you know, see, the thing is, you have to balance things out on the main channel. On this channel, I can kind of mess around and, you know, make things as long as I want. But on the main channel, the report of the week, because this is what I do, again, as a livelihood, you have to make things watchable. So, I have run out of space. Um, I have it where it'll kind of flash a little light at me when there's one minute of space left. So, if I see that flash, and I have many times, uh, then I know, okay, just get a wrap-up in any time. So, in some reviews... It'll seem like the ending of it is really quick. That's because it is. That's because I'm actually running out of time and it's literally going to forcefully shut off on me if I don't stop now. I think in the Pizza Hut Triple Treat box review that happened, I was going for 13 minutes. I saw the light flash and I realized, "Oh gosh, I got to I got to stop this right now." Hence a quick wrap up. Um the camera can film in as much as um 4K, but I choose not to. I even think the 1440p is a little unnecessary, but I've been using that standard since 2017, because why not? It's, you know, we'll go for it. I think 1080p is still acceptable on YouTube, um, but I prefer to just go one step ahead to 1440. Again, though, I can go, if I want to, I have the ability to film in 4K. But I, I just choose not to. I just don't think that that's really necessary. That degree of resolution for what I do. You ask, uh, do do comments help the video in the algorithm? I noticed many YouTubers ask for likes, but not comments. I have no idea. I really have no clue whatsoever if they do or don't. Um, I've never seen a direct connection between comments. I think it's all just whether the, uh, the powers that be want to promote whatever it is that you're doing or not. And that's it. So, I don't think it really matters. I think you can do everything right. You can look at what these, you know, some of these so-called, not, I shouldn't knock them, because a lot of them really know their stuff. but Some of these people who say that they're YouTube gurus and You just have to do this, 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 and this, and, you know, pay a hundred bucks for my SEO course to master the art of YouTube, and then, my god, you'll have a million subscribers overnight if you just give me this money and take my course and do this. And you can take all this advice, and you can do what the, the big boys do, but you can do everything right, and it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. That's what I've learned about this site. Um, It's the algorithm and the people behind the algorithm that call the shots and choose what, you know, they want to promote or what they don't. So, understanding that, again, you can have all the comments in the world. For instance, this latest review that I did, the Papa John's Epic, oh my gosh, the Epic, you know, Stuffed Crust Pizza review, you can have 100,000 people, every one of them can leave a comment, that doesn't mean that it's going to help the video at all, even though it would have 100,000 comments. It'll just do what it does. Um, but it's out of my hands, the way that this stuff is, and it always has been. Nothing's different there. Uh, next question. I know this might sound kind of depressing, but do you think some friendships just aren't meant to last forever? In other words, are there just some friendships that are temporary in life? We just have to learn to deal with it and end it. Oh yeah, absolutely, 100%. Everything is circumstantial. There are some relationships which do, quite literally, last a lifetime. Um, But there are other, other friendships that don't. And I think back to school. I never really had any friends in school. I was a bit of a loner. But that didn't bother me, because I'm incredibly introverted anyway. I didn't really need to hang out with anyone else. But I even think back to all my friends, people that I kind of considered friends slash acquaintances in elementary school. None of them, not that I have bad blood with any of them, but I just don't talk to any of them, you know? Nor do they talk to me. In high school, there were a number of acquaintances, and it's the same exact thing, you know? None of us communicate ever. It's just one of those things that's just... you know, doesn't last. But you better believe, when... I was a little kid there in... elementary school, and I was walking around on the playground with... some of the people who I talked to and... hung out with at the time. If I had traveled back in time and asked myself with the minds that I had back then, do you think, you know, 15 years from now, or however long it is, you're still going to be friends with these people? I, th- I know I would say, without missing a beat, yes, absolutely. You know, how, how would I not be? These are my friends. But things just change. Like I said, there are some friendships that really last a lifetime. I mean, I look at, you know, my parents and stuff. Some of them have had friends, you know, for decades, and, and it's, you know, that lasts. Um, but in some cases, you know, some friendships last, others don't, but that's just the way that it is. And I know it can be tough sometimes, but we just have to accept that. Again, there's there's all different types. There's some friendships that last, but there's some that don't. I know it can be tough. Um, In the last show that I did, I think it was the last one, there was a good email that I got to from a listener who was talking about an old friendship of his, and I was saying the exact same thing. Sometimes they just don't... They don't last, and it's not at any fault of your own. It's just the way that they are sometimes. And... Uh, five, you ask, are there any other hobbies that you have that most people watching you don't know? Um, no, I'm mostly just straightforward. I mean, most of my free time I surf the web, I just you know, it's not really anything crazy or anything. I'm not you know, part of a biker gang or anything, and you know, I secretly have a nice you know, I get all the leather and everything on and I don't even know if those guys are still around but um get all the leather on and go around and Yeah, ride that. No, I'm not. (laughs) No, I'm just basic and boring. And, uh, no frills. No frills type of person. Thank you for your questions. Next up, we hear from Violet in Moldova. Always good to hear from our listeners in Moldova. You might be one of the only listeners over there, uh, to be honest. I, I think I got a reception report on the shortwave from Moldova once, but otherwise you might be one of the only listeners over there. So it's great to hear from you. You had two questions. Question one. After watching last week, um, the Black Mirror TV show and Ghost in the Shell, who's one of the uh, inspirations for the Matrix movie, what do you think of a heavily connected life with the AI technology? Uh, would it be disastrous or positive? I know there are already people who are marrying VR anime characters, etc., Just imagine someone pulling a cable out of his body and inserting it into a wall and play Cyberpunk 2077 with Mr. Breathtaking. Poor Keanu, he can't finish a sentence without getting memed nowadays. While in reality, he looks like he's in a coma, maybe there will be cyborgs, androids, and eventually ruins in a radioactive planet. So number one, um... Oh, utterly disastrous. Completely, totally and utterly disastrous. If you want to talk about a dystopian world, that'll be it. Because, number one, let's not even go in to the point of control. Surveillance, monitoring, mind reading, you name it, that will come with all of this. I think a lot of folks already know my own views on the Neuralink and stuff, Uh, literal mind control, And I, it's something that I, I would never, never, ever, ever sign up for it, ever. You know, you would have to tie me down and and do that. It's just something that I am not comfortable with in any way, shape, or form. Uh, It's horrifying in a sense that it's giving up the last little vestige of freedom that we even have, the freedom to think as we want, and now it's letting some outside third-party, um, you know, organization, device, big corporations, you name it, have access to our minds? I just don't understand how that doesn't terrify people. You know, I don't know, it's just, you know, I can go all out with this stuff and we'll leave that for another show, maybe I'll talk about it someday on the shortwave or something. But even just, you know, AI, um, virtual reality. Let's even forget the implants and mind reading and mind control and all that stuff. Um, Let's just look at VR. My biggest fear with that even, and I'm actually surprised. One thing that actually surprises me a bit, you are starting to see more proliferation of VR. VR. But one thing that i'm actually surprised that i would have thought back in 2014 um i had a view of the future in 2021 you know the 2020s early 2020s that it was going to be a little more futuristic than it really is Uh, i thought back then you know even just a few years down the line you know seven years things can still go a long way look at the world even how different it was from 2007 to 2014 smartphones social media etc uh, I thought seven years down the line uh, self-driving cars would definitely be much more common than they actually are and I thought that VR would have made leaps and 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 bounds and strides and uh, would be much more much more uh, prevalent than it really is it's still kind of... You had some VR developments in, like, 2016, and then it all kind of flatlined. One thing I kind of got right a little bit in a prediction seven years ago was uh, how shortwave broadcast would be, that even in the early 2020s, a lot of the major um, shortwave broadcasters would still be around. And they still are. But then my prediction was that by the end of this decade, they're all going to be gone. And Shortwave is going to be completely... Then it's going to be a literal ghost, uh, ghost town by 2030. And it might be. Shortwave might be uh, completely dead. Not even in ten years' time, I'm guessing. So, for God's sake, if you want to savor it, get in now, because it's probably going to be gone very soon. One thing with VR that concerns me... If we have the ability, let's say it improves, and we can now live in essentially an alternate universe, you know, you have the VR world um, versus the real world, and we can create our own paradise much more easily in the VR realm, my fear is that we will just spend all of our time in the VR world, in this perfect reality, Uh, while neglecting the physical realm that we live in. And we'll have this utopia through our VR sets, um, but the real world is just going to get worse and worse and worse. And um, we're just going to neglect it completely, and we are really just going to stagnate uh, as a species. And humanity is just, that's going to be it. Our hedonism is going to get the best of us. And this is going to be the end of us one day. Um, that's my concern. That's my concern. I know that there have already been things based on this, but kind of like you were like you were saying, be like someone's in a coma, you know, uh, <laughs> practically uh, connected to these VR sets. is so such a stark difference. No, you know, I I don't know. We need to focus on the he- you know the here and now. What's going on in this world? It's an easy... it's a cop-out to sit there and just create our own fake world and spend the rest of our lives in that. But it's just going to make things worse and worse and worse. And then you want to talk about a dystopia. You have it right there. It's going to be worse than anything you've ever seen, probably. So, as a pastime, it's one thing, but I think those lines will get crossed and blurred very quickly. Um, but I think, as I've said enough now, I think you can kind of tell my views on it and my my vehement opposition is apparent. Now, your second question, uh, this one is connected with your question about the Christmas spirit of 2020. When I was a kid, I believed in Santa Claus. Every year, I was trying to ambush him to prove to my older sister that he existed um, because somehow the gifts appeared under the tree, and she would tell me that he was inexistent no, he exists, I stomped my foot I will prove to you and since three, I would look through the window go around the house, look at the sky go back inside, repeat but uh, if I was falling asleep or run to go to the bathroom because I was holding it in until it got painful, I'd get out of the room for a few minutes and the gift would be there. Shocked, I was looking around, looking outside, waking up my father and asking if he didn't see or hear him My dad was always in his room, sleeping, and got a negative answer. I became suspicious. My father should have noticed an old, obese man that was always getting me the wrong gifts. At five or six, probably five, I was sleeping, heard my father getting up and look at me, then putting something under the tree and going back in bed. I was almost exploding with anger, but continued to pretend that I was asleep. Later that year, when I was asked about the gift Santa would bring, I said he doesn't exist. He does, said my dad. No, stomping my foot, he doesn't exist, I can prove. I told them about that last year feeling betrayed, about being lied to for years, and told not to bring me any more gifts since I felt no Christmas spirit. Here, the most important holiday is New Year's Eve. Non-religious, but still with gifts. Did you believe in Santa Claus? What's the story? Have a good and healthy New Year from Violet in Moldova. Thanks, Violet. And I wish you uh, a very pleasant and wonderful 2021 as well. So, I was never a huge believer uh, in Santa Claus. And my folks never really pushed the whole Santa thing either. It was just like, hey, you know, the gifts are there, but it's, it's just, it wasn't like, um, you know, you gotta be good for Santa, you gotta do the, you know, they never um, propagated any of that. Um, I had really heard more about Santa and stuff through, you know, school and friends and pop culture, etc., than I did anywhere else. So it was like one of those things, of course, when you're real young, I kind of thought that it was cool, and I was thinking about Santa, and, you know, the Easter Bunny, and the Tooth Fairy, and all of those, um, but there wasn't any sort of big revelation, there wasn't any sort of defining moment that, you know, it was like, Santa is you know, this or that, it's just, you know, I don't know, there was no point where it was like, You know, I read this book, and I realized Santa doesn't exist, or whatever. (coughs) Any of that. Or any of that. Um, So it's just one of those things that, it just, it it just happened naturally. I think I grew out of it, I don't know, probably before I was ten. You know, I don't know how old I was, but definitely before then. But it didn't bother me. That's the thing. I Because, again, I was never ardent about the whole Santa thing to begin with. So, it doesn't bother me at all. Um But that's just my experience. I know it's not the most interesting one, but that's what it comes down to. I was almost on the verge of cracking up as I was answering your uh question. I was thinking to myself, I wonder if there's, like... I tried looking this up, and I couldn't find it. But, you know how I like cryptids. And how I'm kind of more impartial, especially at present, toward uh, aliens and uh, Bigfoot. I'm not saying that they're a hundred percent there, but there's certainly some interesting stuff going on, and it's just really fascinating to research, regardless of what's there or not. But I was just thinking, I haven't found anything thus far, but you know, I was just laughing at the thought of there being almost like a, you know, conspiracy theorist subculture, um, to prove that Santa does exist, you know, like, he's some sort of Bigfoot-esque, uh, cryptid, and, um, you know, trying to have videographic evidence, you know, of confirmed sightings and everything, like, I just, I can only imagine, you know, like, a 50-year-old guy, um, with pictures of Santa all over his room and everything, and you know, absolutely convinced that Santa is real. And, um, you know, maybe one day they'll fund an expedition to try to go to the North Pole to find the the secret lair, or whatever. I, I wish that there was, like... If I had nothing better to do, I would almost be willing to pull together a little bit of money if I, if I was able to. Buy an hour of additional airtime on one of these you know, shortwave stations, and as, like, a faux conspiracy theory program, almost make a, uh, like, a, a deadpan, serious broadcast. Like, one of these conspiracy theory shows on the, the shortwave, um, claiming to prove Santa's existence, but again, like, dead, deadpan, 100% serious type of deal. Like, again, um, you know, like, with the other... I think more serious cryptids and aliens and sea monsters and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I would almost be willing to do that as a joke, you know, and just see if anyone even falls for it or whatnot. But that's just a pipe dream. It'd just be something funny to do one day, you know. I'd claim to have a list of encounters and all this stuff, all these theories and whatever. Just do it in a deadpan, like one hundred percent serious way. I think it would be kind of funny. We've got two more emails, and then that's it for the show. Tyler writes in a few topics and questions. Number one, during my recent home, a recent time home from college for winter break, I have reignited my love for Westerns. I've recently gotten into many starring John Wayne, but still hold Clint Eastwood's as my favorite. Specifically, the Man with No Name trilogy, directed by Sergio Leone. I was wondering what familiarity you have, if any, with the genre, and what westerns you have seen and enjoyed yourself. Um, I'm not a big western fan, to tell you the truth. I know that there's, you know, some of the... the famous ones. Like, I think the 50s and 60s were like the golden age of westerns, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly... You know, I imagine that's one you're probably thinking of. That's one of the most famous ones. And granted, that was a good film. Um, but like, one Western that I watched that's a classic, but I was just never a fan of, was The Searchers. That was going back to 56. That was, um, you know, John Wayne. Classic John Wayne there that, uh, I watched that one and it's alright, but I just was never a huge, you know, I don't know, something about it just didn't really appeal to me. You know, you have the, um, more modern westerns, you know. Some things are, you know, it's like, it depends. Of course, you go into the 90s, you had the film Tombstone, which is okay, but for me, um, I know it's much more boring... But I just like reading about the real thing. I just like reading the articles and books and Wikipedia pages and stuff about it. Last night I was even reading about something. Well, number one, I was reading about the bison. I was reading about the American bison, a.k.a. the buffalo. I was reading about how they were almost hunted to extinction. And, uh... You know, how that was kind of used as a tactic, um, you know, against the Native Americans, of course, because that was, you know, one of the biggest food supplies, and it was of cultural significance. So, to exterminate them was certainly a uh, little tactical blow, and also a blow on morale. Then one thing led to another, and then I was reading about Edward Canby, who is a uh, U.S. general who was killed in one of the conflicts there, and I was just kind of reading his biography, and, I don't know, you you can kind of see how one thing just leads to the next to the next, and it's just kind of funny. But I just prefer to uh, read it and research it in a historical way, but somehow the Hollywood westerns never appealed to me all that much. Uh, Your second point, I also recently learned about meditation and begun practicing it. Specifically, transcendental meditation. I have only just started, but can already feel an effect on my everyday life. I often find my mind jumping around and sometimes find it difficult to focus on one thing. I grab my phone constantly throughout the day, feeling that I need constant entertainment for my mind to focus on. It has never affected me enough to try of thinking anything to help, but since beginning daily meditation... I have found it easier to focus and have also noticed I reach for my phone much less throughout the day. I was wondering what you know about meditation and if you practice it yourself as well as any positive effects uh, you've had for it personally. Thank you for all the great content and keep up the good work from Tyler. I think meditation works. I think that it's one of those things that in order for it to work though, you have to be in the right frame of mind. I think you have to have, and this is one of those silly, cliched things, but you need to have an open mind whilst doing it. You know, you just need to go ahead, look at it, and say, I'm going to give this a try. Whatever happens, happens. But I think in doing that, the likelihood of it helping you is much greater than saying, all right, I'm going to sit here for 20 minutes, give me results. Make me feel better. Put my mind to ease. I think it's much more likely to have an effect if you're open-minded. You know, that's just how I feel. It's one of those things that it's not necessarily going to be the ultimate solution to all of your problems, but it can help with certain things. Don't think if I I meditate, I'm going to suddenly get a new job and I'll be able to pay the bills and everything's going to be good again and all my problems are going to disappear. But I think in some instances, meditation, either simple breathing techniques or, again, even things like you were saying, transcendental meditation or even more, I think it helps the mind. And I think most importantly, it's about control about kind of reining in, you know, maybe some impulses or whatever, being able to collect yourself, organize your thoughts, relax. It's essentially taking a break from things. I think it can help. I really do. And I think it should be something worth trying out. But you have to give it a shot. I think if you want to see any results from it, um, you can't just... You can't just, again, like I said, say, well, alright, I'm gonna do this, and I, I, I expect my anxiety to get better. I don't think it will. I think you're gonna be disappointed, honestly, that what it does isn't that much. But little by little, it can help. And again, if you're in the right frame of mind, uh, I think that it really can be of... of great value. So, uh... Now, it's certainly something that I do, and it could be a good way to try to relax and rest and gather your thoughts and just try to come to terms with stuff that's going on, you know? It's one of those things. Thank you for writing in. On a final note, we hear from Danielle, who writes, <laughs> and uh, this is exactly what I said in the show, too. Isn't that something? This was sent five days ago. Um, I will try to never... Uh, I will make sure never to proclaim something can't be any worse, because sure enough, that's when everything goes to the ninth circle of hell. Things can always get worse. That's right. That's right. Amen to that. Um, Very, very true. Just when you think things can't possibly get any worse, they do. Um, That's not a pleasant or positive thing to say, but it's a truth uh, for this world. Anyway, continuing to the rest of your email now, uh, you had a few, as you said, short but pressing questions. Number one, how do you feel about suspenders? Do you own any? It's it's a funny question that you ask this, because my answer, I think, will seem somewhat conflicting. It's not going to make any sense, but just take it for what it is i I don't mind suspenders um the look doesn't bother me the uh the aesthetic in many cases doesn't bother me now if i- w- I do not have suspenders though and I don't wear them, but they don't bother me, and I don't mind them, but I don't wear them and it's kind of strange in some ways because it's like well, wait a minute, how can you be you know, of a favorable view towards suspenders, but then not even own a pair, considering what you wear? Well, I don't know. I've just got caught in the habit of wearing a belt, and that's just what I go with. If I were to wear suspenders, though, I would just wear your plain, boring, um, black suspenders. You know, none of the, uh more suspenders with flare, so to speak, but just the, the average ones. Question two. When I was a kid, I was terrified of spontaneous combustion, the xenomorphs from the Alien movies, and the word oval for some reason. Did you have anything silly that scared you as a little one? If yes, please elaborate. Um, well, let's think back to childhood. I think many of my childhood fears were standard. They were standard. They definitely had, in some instances, merit. Nothing overly irrational. Like, one thing, I was never afraid of clowns. Clowns didn't bother me. Did I think sometimes they could be a little weird? Sure. But clowns don't, and still don't bother me. You know, any clowns. Happy clowns, sad clowns. Whatever, I don't care, They don't. they don't creep me out you know, if I see someone walking down the street at 3am, uh, you know, wearing clown makeup or something, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna act like this is the clown apocalypse or something, it's just... who knows, maybe it's just the clown going for a knife walk, I don't... I don't know. It's just, you know, one of those things. When I was young, I had some concerns about the dark but more or less it was really I think sometimes the childhood fear of monsters and creatures lurking in the shadows that are going to use the darkness as cover to come snatch you away. So that was my concern. Um, I was concerned largely about all these sorts of you know, well, the most Uh, most part fictional beasts you know again who knows what's still out there on the topic of cryptids and stuff but obviously the things like vampires and stuff oh yeah I had some concerns I was concerned about werewolves and all that stuff when I was real young you know what do you know even if you know that it's it's fiction it still creeps you out and you think well what if you know what if what if it's somehow just going to materialize and get me and uh yeah, then eventually it kind of... any fear turned more to fascination. And now the dark, uh, I embrace it. You know, I embrace the, the darkness. Look, okay, I'm a night person. I mean, it's 4 a.m. right now at the microphone. And I'm here at a window looking out into the, into the blackness outside, into the void. That doesn't bother me. Well, what could be lurking out there? Well, uh, what can I do about it? I can't see them either way. So I could sit here and cower or whatever happens, happens. But no, I like it. Plus, you know, we do have night vision. Even our eyes, you know, the rods and cones. Not like the darkness is always impenetrable. Yeah, you need a minute for your eyes to adjust, but they certainly can. And we have ears, too. Now, granted, not everyone is fortunate to have uh, functional senses, but a lot of us do have something that we can use as a fallback. So, why one thing that I always use very heavily, very reliant on, are my ears as well. Um, when I'm out, when I'm walking, you know, just a tip that I always recommend and you would think more people would do this. It's, like, strange that I even have to mention this. But, you know, when you're out, uh, just stay tuned into your ears. I know sometimes, especially if you're out late at night or whatever, it could be fun to listen to music and stuff, but believe me, you can have your ears as a second pair of eyes very easily. I mean, for instance, if I'm walking and I hear a car coming up behind me, you know, I'll tune in to the engine noise immediately. And through that, I could essentially discern, well, you know, the distance, the speed, perhaps even the basic type of vehicle. And obviously, without even turning my head, if, let's say, as I hear it getting closer to me, It's starting to slow down, again, without even turning my head and seeming uh, overly conspicuous. I'm already preparing myself mentally, and in some instances physically, um, for a potential confrontation. And, you know, thankfully it's never come to that, but I'm already, you know, in a part of my mind, prepared to either... Get the heck out. Another thing, observe your surroundings. Always have a path out, wherever you are. Be aware of it. Just know, how can I escape if I need to? Where can I run? Where can I go? Sometimes that'll save your life. And so in those instances, if I hear something or someone or whatever, now especially if you hear a door closing, now sometimes, and almost all the time, it's just someone pulling into their driveway or going home or whatever. But you hear a car slowing down, you hear a door closing, then you're really, you're ready. Um, But it's almost nothing. You know, it never really amounts to anything. But same thing, you know, you hear some movement, whatever. Use your peripherals too. These are all just, these are things that we have at our disposal that we can use. And just be aware of your surroundings and then be ready to either go and leave or whatever. Or, you know, if it's too late for that, I always always protect myself when I go out. And again, it's never came to anything, but it's always good to have something as a last-ditch fallback. Force comes to worse. One other tip just in mind, and again, I think this is, like, basic stuff we should all know, but it's just good to reinforce... Never be overly premature with drawing anything, whatever it is. If you carry um, a pepper spray, a taser, a firearm, a knife, anything for self-defense, never draw it unless you intend to use it. Because otherwise, sometimes it can escalate a confrontation and unfortunately, you're the one escalating it. You pull something out, all of a sudden, the the other individual pulls something out, and then, bam, you know, something happens. Just don't go waving anything that could hurt someone seriously around, uh, you know, really without adequate cause, I feel. But there is evil in this world, and there are legitimate fears and concerns, and it's good to be safe. Better safe than sorry, that applies in... So many ways. Very simple things that, again, sometimes you'll be glad you did. It's one of those, one of those things. There's some good people in this world and a whole lot of bad people. We know that by now. <laughs> I don't know how the heck talking about childhood fears and stuff got to almost, a not quite self-defense talk, but whatever. It's one thing goes to the next. Um... No, but most of my childhood fears were otherwise. I can't really say, like, I was afraid of anything really silly. Most of my fears are more serious. Although one thing, when I was young, that's silly, it wasn't a fear, but it made me a bit sad, Um, was the thought... It would really, it would, like, get me down sometimes. Uh, The thought of the old Voyager uh, spacecraft you know, floating out there in space, uh, by themselves, going further and further and further away from Earth. I don't know why, but just the thought of that made me sad. That's just one of those, especially for, for a kid to have one of those silly things, but it's just how it was. And third and final question that you have, um, what's something on your bucket list? One of the items... On my list is to see the Aurora Borealis in person. Uh, Sorry if this email is weird. I haven't slept for a while. (laughs) Shine on, you crazy diamond, and be safe with your upcoming travels. The world needs you. Thank you, Danielle. I appreciate your listenership to the podcast, and of course the shortwave broadcasts as well. Uh, Your regular reception reports are always, always appreciated. We appreciate the regular listeners to the shortwave broadcast. You guys, as they say, are the real... <laughs> the real deal, as they say. So thank you to everyone out there who listens to the radio shows. I think, number one, that that's a cool thing to have on the bucket list, the Aurora Borealis. I have never seen it in person. Although there have been instances where they say, you know, the Aurora extends down as far south as you know, during times of geomagnetic storms and stuff, goes down as far as, let's say, New York or whatnot. But I've never seen it. I remember once or twice on the news, you know, they said, oh, you could see it from New York. I go outside, I don't see anything. (laughs) You know, it's, I don't see it, but it'd be cool to see. One thing, as a shortwave listener, I, I think the aurora is beautiful, and it is a magnificent display from what I've Red anyway, I've never seen it again. But unfortunately, the way the shortwave propagation is, the auroras are usually caused, not always, but sometimes they're caused or amplified by geomagnetic conditions, which is caused by the sun. And unfortunately, There's two things, aside from interference, that are the bane of really a radio listener's existence, especially shortwave. Number one, that's solar flares. Solar flares are terrible. It's actually surreal, in a sense, because a solar flare, you know, it's when you have that real burst of of the charged particles from the sun, you know, in an eruption, the coronal mass ejection, it blasts out, and the ones directed toward Earth, once the CME arrives, especially if it's a stronger one, and you know, you have a whole class, a whole scale, I should say, of solar flares, where you have, you know, a C-class flare, an M-class flare, an X-class flare. It's it's the same way that the scale to, to measure the magnitude of an earthquake is, in that it's exponential, you know. And also, because we're at a solar minimum, there really haven't been many solar flares lately. But I remember in 2014, there was, I think, an X-class uh, solar flare that hit the Earth. And I remember because I was a shortwave listener back then, Uh, every Sunday, it was on a Sunday afternoon, I would tune in to World Harvest Radio, um, because they played some... And I've said this before, I'll sometimes listen to the uh, Christian music sometimes. They had this show, because there really wasn't much else to listen to during the day, on shortwave, even then. But they had this broadcast that was called, uh, you know, like, Countdown the Top 40 magazine or something, and it was this, like, countdown music show of all the, you know, hit songs on the Christian, uh, billboard charts, and just from a musical point of view, even, one thing then that I liked about a lot of the contemporary Christian stuff was that it had these rock elements to the songs that you didn't see much in mainstream pop anymore. You still really don't. But it was something... Same thing with even some country music, though the vocals on that kinda... It's a little iffy. But, you know, just some alternative rock characteristics, guitar solos, I mean, you name it. Just things and elements to the songs that were enjoyable, even to the listening ear. Let's forget about lyrical contents. So having a two-hour-long program of this stuff that came in with an excellent signal. It was actually another reason I listened, because it was one of the strongest signals I could pick up that time of day. So, I would tune in, and I would just leave it on in the background every Sunday afternoon. And, again, it was so strong. I mean, you didn't even really need an antenna to pick it up. So, it was blasting in. I mean, extremely strong. And the creepy thing with solar flares is if a strong one hits, it wipes out every single signal on the shortwave band. It's incredible. It just, they disappear. They cease to exist. I mean, they're transmitted, but no one hears them. And it's just how the the particles from the sun, you know, react with the upper atmosphere, the ionosphere. And I didn't notice until this happened that there was a solar flare ongoing but I was listening into the broadcast, strong as ever, and then all of a sudden, in about the space of 30 seconds, the broadcast just fades out and gone, and there was nothing, not a trace of the signal. This thing that was so strong just 30 seconds ago was nothing. Then I started spinning the dial, and there were no stations. Zero. It was all static. I couldn't pick up one single thing, ever at all that day. Sure enough, I checked, there was an, you know, an X-something class flare in progress, and it was a total radio blackout. And they're rare events. They, they don't happen often, but they're memorable when they do, at least as a radio listener. Uh, the other strong one I remember was in 2017, actually the day Hurricane Irma was hitting Florida as I was waiting the landfall, I was riding the storm out, there was a strong solar flare. And that wiped out propagation, and I couldn't hear anything. Not even all the strong Spanish stations usually dominate the airwaves down there. But solar flares are one of those creepy things. If you want to talk about an apocalyptic event, or at least an inexorable life-changing event, because there's no easy going back from this. if And it'll make you, you know, it might make you a little paranoid. But look up the uh, Carrington event. I've shouted this out before, but for good reason. Because it's a legitimate event that happened about a century, you know, and a half ago. Not quite 200 years. And thankfully back then, we were in the era Stole before widespread electricity. But it was a solar flare. That was... Possibly one of the strongest ones ever recorded. And it was so strong... That all of the energy that was directed to it that... Affected... uh, The Earth. All I'll say is this. Had a Carrington event type solar flare happened today... It would be like an EMP attack. It would... Fry so many electronics, just like that. Forget it. Uh, we're talking widespread electrical uh, disruptions, blackouts... Widespread damage... Uh, you know, due to extended outages of the power grid. The way... It would be... Would almost be... (laughs) It would almost be a society-ending event, at least. I think humanity would continue. But... Especially for people in the first world countries, who are so used to electronic devices, it's all we know, things are going to get really rough really quick. The good news, the odds of that happening, at least in the immediate future, are slim because it's caused by sunspots, and there's really almost no sunspots on the sun right now. And we've gone through many a solar cycle without that happening. I just can't even imagine, if it hit today, we would already be a mess. I mean, a complete and total mess. Forget it. It's tough to even verbalize how how much of a mess it would be for folks here in the U.S., myself included. But I was just thinking back to that hypothetical of, and I remember the listener in Moldova was saying VR, and let's say these alternate realities and stuff. Could you imagine what would happen one day if eventually VR goes so far and all of this that we have our own world in these virtual realms, and the rest of the world around us physically is a dystopia, and you get a Carrington event-level, you know, solar flare that would fry all of these electronics. Could you imagine the state we would find ourselves in? Oh boy, be crazy. (laughs) One thing, not as a word of consolation, but just goes to show we got lucky, there was actually a solar storm in 2012 uh, that was of a similar magnitude to the one that caused that event, but it didn't hit Earth, uh, but it passed Earth's orbit without striking the planet, but it missed us by nine days. Nine days! We could have been set back over 100 years in 2012, had that have happened You know, just by that period of nine days. We got so lucky. But the events of that were fascinating. Just the things that it did with just the the limited electronics we had sent so much energy. All we had back then was the telegraph. And uh, it said, Telegraph Systems all over Europe all over Europe and North America failed in some cases giving telegraph operators electric shocks, telegraph pylons through sparks, and uh, what few operators could continue to send and receive messages uh, could do so having disconnected the power supplies. to so much energy. Just what that would do to the modern electronic devices, I don't even... It's crazy. But they said... With that, the aurora borealis was seen as far south as the Caribbean. And it was so bright uh, that you could stand outside and read the newspaper to its light. I guess I say it was visible from the poles to low latitudes, such as uh, south-central Mexico, Queensland, Cuba, Hawaii, southern Japan, and China. And uh, even at lower latitudes, uh, even in Colombia, it was seen, the aurora. That's crazy. I got very distracted there, but it's fun to go on these tangents. The aurora, beautiful but annoying in some senses, but it would be nice to see an an aurora, um, but hopefully never as bright as it would have been under those circumstances, because consequently... Life would be in many ways a disaster. Should that happen. As for me, I don't have a bucket list. No, I really don't. Uh, I know that might sound strange, but... I don't have one. I never did. And... I could die tomorrow. And I'd be... You know? would be like... I, I wouldn't sit there... And think... Ah, oh, damn... I can't believe I'm going, I didn't get to swim with the sharks, you know? (laughs) I didn't get to go bungee jumping or something, or whatever they call it. You know, these adrenaline-fueled activities. I don't, you know, I just, I don't know. When I go, I go. Now, that didn't used to be my attitude. Um, But to me, it's just like, when I go, I go. If I don't accomplish what I wanted to, what am I going to do about it? You know, if it's my time, it's my time. Already in this life of mine, and I was thinking about this before I even took to the microphone, in this life of mine, that I know has only been 20-something years, I've truly, and like I said earlier, because all of this with the YouTube and the radio and all of that was totally inadvertent. was totally unexpected, unanticipated. I never started any of this with this ever becoming my ultimate goal or anything. How I viewed life before all of this, I just say this as personal reflection, I'm already at a spot today. We're thinking back to those reflections. I've already done way more and and found myself in a spot where it's... it's just much more than I ever thought I would ever even remotely do in my entire life. And that still continues to blow me away. I don't know what the future holds, I really don't, but I'm very thankful that even at this point kind of exceeded whatever expectations I set by a long shot and I'm grateful for whatever extra days I've got so I just don't have a bucket list I already feel and it's by definition that's the thing everyone's bucket list is different but me personally like I already feel like I've I've almost lived more than I thought I ever would So, there's there's no reason to even ask for anything more. That's my personal take on the matter, and that's all that I have for you. Thank you for listening in to this show. My intention is to um, get this out the 4th of January. We'll see. We'll see if that happens or not. And because after this, I'm actually going to record the first segment. A big hello and shout-out to everyone who listened to that, and now realizes that I'm aware of that, or whatever. Just, thanks for making out, and just thanks for making it through this show. Until next time, please be safe, be healthy, and I wish you all the very best. Take care. This is VORW.